Today's show is brought to you by Aptiv. Aptiv is a fabulous app and robust online community that allows you access to top-notch, motivating personal trainers who guide you through an audio-based workout that is timed to your choosing with fun, perfectly synchronized music. Like Netflix for fitness, Aptiv gives members unlimited access to their entire bank of high-end trainer-led workout classes. So if you're looking for fresh, high-quality, on-the-go motivating workouts that adapt to your lifestyle, I highly recommend Aptiv. In fact, if you head over to the curator playlists, you'll see a familiar face. I chose seven of my favorite Aptiv workouts so that you can get a well-rounded mix of workouts that will take you from intense cardio to restorative serenity. And these are some of my favorite workouts to do when I'm traveling or if I just have a spare 20 minutes between activities. And because they're the best, Aptiv is even offering Fed and Fit listeners a free 30-day trial when you sign up for monthly subscriptions at www.aaptiv.com. Be sure to enter the promo code FEDANDFIT, one word, at checkout in your first 30 days or on the house. Welcome back to another episode of the Fed and Fit Podcast. I'm your host, Cassie Joy Garcia, and today I'm joined by a very special guest. I'm excited to introduce you all to Mark Sisson. He is the best-selling author of The Primal Blueprint, former world-class athlete, endurance athlete, one of the leading voices of the evolutionary health movement, and publisher of MarksDailyApple.com. I guarantee if you've Googled something paleo-related, you have found a good answer over on that website at some point in time. He's, it is the world's most visited blog on paleo, primal, and ancestral health, and he will be releasing his latest book, The Keto Reset Diet, this October 3rd in 2017. Welcome to the show, Mark. Thanks, Cassie. Great to be here. Yeah, great to have you here. Now, that was a very, very short introduction. Gosh, I thought about preparing <laughs> a longer intro and a longer bio for you, and it would have just been reading bullet after bullet of impressive feet. But if, if there's any extended uh, intro that you'd like to give folks, we'd love to hear it. Well, I mean, I could, <laughs> where do we start? Where do we end? But, um, <laughs> you know, basically, um, the only other things that are, that are that not only the, the main things right now are, you know, we've just launched the Primal Kitchen Food line. So I'm the founder of Primal Kitchen Foods. And then we uh, have two restaurants open under the Primal Kitchen flag uh, in South Bend, Indiana and in Culver City in Los Angeles. So uh, our restaurant business is taking off as well. So I would add that to the, to the existing bio. Those are big ones. Man, I had some mayo last night. Mm. <laughs> if you guys are not familiar yet with Primal Kitchen Foods, highly recommend you look into it. Great dressings, great mayos, all kinds of good stuff. Bars, man, protein powders, all that good stuff. And I'm going to be in your neck of the woods this coming weekend, but apparently I'm going to just miss you guys. Ships in the night for the big opening. Oh, well, once we're open, we're open, Cassie, so you can always stop by. <laughs> I will do that. That's a good point. Well, yeah. thank you so much again for coming on the show today. We're going to really zero in. We're happy to talk about anything, um, but I would love to hear more about the Keto Reset Diet uh, book that's coming out this October. What inspired this new project? Well, you know, I've been um, eating sort of a low-carb, real-food diet for 15 years and experiencing tremendous benefits from, from doing that. Uh, I went from being a uh, carb-fed, you know, I'm talking 700, 800 grams of carbs a day, a carb-fed athlete during my endurance days, 
uh, to uh, when I elected not to compete and not to train so hard anymore, I, I dropped that way down to under 150 grams of carbs a day. And I did that by getting rid of sugar and getting rid of grains and processed foods and things like that. And it was pretty easy to get below 150 grams of carbs a day. In fact, anybody who embarks on a real food diet uh, is going to find themselves in that 100 to 150 grams a day if they just, if they, you know, if they're eating. And that includes copious amounts of vegetables and some fruit and some tubers and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. anyway, so after having been low carb for so long and then having had days or maybe a week at a time where I was ultra low carb, just not by design, just by, by chance, um, finding myself a couple of days into maybe 40 or 50 grams of carbs a day uh, and, and kind of being keto a little bit over the past 10 years, uh, but never really going in and exploring that uh, that cool um, zone of what we call the keto zone now, where a lot of additional benefits can accrue. So uh, I was asked to do a book by a, a major publishing house uh, about a year ago that looked at the ketogenic diet in a way that, uh, because there's so many books and so many websites now on keto, and it's kind of the new buzzword, but I'm seeing that a lot of people are doing it wrong or are Let's put it this way. There are a lot of wrong ways to do keto, okay? Mm-hmm. There are a lot of right ways, too. There's no one perfect way. But I wanted to look at it from a more of a, a research-based uh, and experiential-based point of view. So um, I went into uh, ketosis, deep ketosis, for a couple of months. Um, it was easy because I'd already been low-carb. So for me, it was just going from 70 to 100 grams of carbs a day down to 20 to 50 grams of carbs a day. So it was really literally giving up a couple of night carbs. Mm-hmm. That, that, that took me there. And, and it was pretty profound, the changes that I thought were, you know, okay, maybe I'll see a little bit of change here and there, and it'll be kind of cool to, to experience keto. And it was really quite profound. I, um, I got <clears throat> more energy than I'd had in a while. And I've always had good energy. Like, don't get me wrong. I mean, low carb is still the best way to, you know, to start your journey. But, but going keto brings a, a whole new perspective to your body. The idea um, with, at least in my estimation of the best way to live as a human is to, um, you know, extract the greatest amount of enjoyment and pleasure and fulfillment from any moment possible. That includes being energetic and having an ideal body composition and not being sick. And really, most importantly, I think for a lot of people, not being hungry, not letting hunger dictate, you know, how you move from point A to point B throughout your day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's so one of the one of the most profound benefits from my going keto um, and in so doing um, rebooting my metabolism to become even better at burning fat and even better at making ketones and even better at utilizing those ketones as an alternative source of fuel um, other than uh, glucose or, or carbohydrate stuff this this notion that um, God I was really I, I was no longer hungry. Uh, I was, you know, appetite and cravings, which look, I mean, I've, I've diminished those over the last decade, um, you know, pretty significantly, but just to get to that next level by going keto to mm-hmm. ratchet my metabolism. So I'm that much more efficient with how I burn calories in my body. Um, and it manifested itself in a number of different ways. I, as I say, I had more energy. Oddly, I found that I, I needed less sleep um, so I feel like I got better sleep, and that may be because of the uh, repair and restoration aspects of keto 
that maybe you don't have to spend that much time sleeping to repair and restore. I don't know. That's like a theory of mine. Interesting. You know, and I didn't think I had, you know, enough naked pictures of me circulating on the internet, right? So um, <laughs> I didn't think I had a lot of extra body fat to burn off, but I, I actually burned off some more body fat. I got, um, you know, I, I dropped about six pounds. Um, and I, I, I mean, I, I swear it's all body fat. It was, I would go to the gym and people would go, dude, you look jacked. Are you putting on muscle? And no, I actually lost a little bit of weight, but maybe I have put on a little bit of muscle. And that's one of the things about, about keto is that there's this whole epigenetic signaling thing that happens when you are making ketones that mm -hmm. doesn't happen when you're just low carb. And those, that epigenetic signaling tends to spare muscle protein and spare protein and spare muscle tissue. Uh, and so I found that I was actually able to, um, you know, put on a little bit of muscle while I was in this phase, which I otherwise thought over the past couple of years, I assumed, well, when you're keto, you're sort of, you know, barely hanging on to your muscle mass and you'll, you'll lose some body fat, but you'll also lose some muscle. And so, you know, is that something you want to do for the, you know, for the rest of your life? And yet there are these sites now that are dedicated to putting on muscle going strictly keto, uh, sites mm -hmm. like Keto Gains and so on. So it was all in all, it was a, a tremendously, um, again, eye-opening epiphany. It was a, it was a, Profound experience for someone who hasn't had many profound experiences recently. Uh, you know, it, nothing really kind of makes my eyebrows go up. And um, and so as I as I was writing the book, I thought this is just such an amazing opportunity for anyone to reset their metabolism, not to spend the rest of your life in in keto, but just maybe for a couple of weeks, maybe once a year, um, to go to go keto for six weeks, eight weeks, maybe the same way people do cleanses once a year. And in so doing, to so significantly change uh, their metabolism in a way that makes them more energy efficient and what we call metabolically flexible, the ability to, to, um, to burn fats so well that you don't need to eat, you do eat, and you eat. One of the ironies here is that I eat less food, but I enjoy it more. Mm -hmm. You know, so... Um, shut me up if I'm rambling on. No, my long. gosh. No, I'm fascinated. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. So there were, it was really, um, an opening again, experience to, to think, well, wow, this would be beneficial to just about everyone who tried it, uh, provided you did it right. I mean, there are, mm -hmm. as I say, there are a lot of wrong ways to do keto. So the keto reset diet, the book is really about stair-stepping you into a, uh, a keto lifestyle for as long as you want, a couple of weeks, a couple of months. You know, I know people have been in keto for 10 years. I'm not suggesting that, and I'm not. I go in and out. I'm in what I call right now the keto zone, which is I've done the work. I've built the metabolic machinery because I spent a lot of time in keto. Mm -hmm. I've built that machinery so that when I'm, even when I'm out of ketosis, I'm not out by much, you mm -hmm. know, because I don't, I don't, it's like I don't have, the desire, I don't have the cravings I used to have for, you know, several uh, extra bites of cheesecake. I'll have two or three and it doesn't, it doesn't affect me negatively, but I won't have a whole slice of cheesecake. Mm -hmm. uh, I find myself skipping meals uh, by choice sometimes. Like I'm not really hungry. I don't feel compelled to eat. In the old days, I might have gone, I might have thought to myself, well, geez, if I don't eat soon, um, I'll start to, you know, 
tear into some of my precious muscle tissue. Those, because of my experiences recently, those thoughts have gone away. And it's like, um, I might skip meals just because I don't feel like eating and be perfectly fine with that now. And, and then also be perfectly fine with a mindset that says, if I've built this metabolic machinery to, to burn fats and to make ketones and to have my brain use these ketones for fuel instead of glucose, then, um, then I've, I'm at the point where if I, every time I do skip a meal, I'm burning stored body fat. It's not like I'm losing energy or I, you know, I'm, I'm putting off some refeeding that's going to happen in a couple hours. I'm literally, all I'm doing is shifting from taking the calories off a plate to taking the calories off my belly or my, or my thighs or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's a, Kind of a really look. This is what defines humans. If you think about what it took to be human over the last two and a half million years, you know we're a pretty uh, substandard carnivore uh, predator. You know we we had to learn how to hunt because we don't have claws. We don't run that fast. So how is it that humans survived two and a half million years of humanness with such limited tools? Um, and 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 the answer is. Because we were so good at storing fat. So whenever we came across food, we would eat, probably overeat. That's why our brains are wired to want us to kind of overeat. We'd store that fat. But then we had all of this, all these tools to be able to take that fat out of storage and use it for energy during the days that there was no food available. And, you know, you take a carbohydrate-based person today and you say, well, you're going to go days without eating. And they're just going to, you know, they're just going to keel over right in front of you. Um, so this skill to be able to not only store lots of fat, which is a skill that we have, mm-hmm. but to be able to, to take it out of storage quickly and burn it efficiently and then not have to have any form of carbohydrate at all because we can take some of that fat and make ketones from it. And those ketones then become the preferred fuel for the brain and the heart and in many cases the muscle. Um, it's such an elegant system, and yet, and yet, so few people in in our modern times ever get a chance to tap into this amazing skill that we all have hardwired in our DNA. Gosh, that is fascinating. <laughs> no wonder this lit you up. So, how long? I assume that you go through this in the Keto Diet Reset book coming out. But how long does it usually take to get into that keto zone? Would you say? Yeah, so the way we do it in, in the book is we kind of tap into the original primal blueprint, which is that we take a 21-day um, process to start to remove some of those offending sugars, you know, the sugary drinks, the, the, sweetened, the sweetened things, the, pay, the pies, the cakes, the candies, the cookies, the breads, the pastas, mm-hmm. the cereals, and all that stuff that, you know, most of us in the paleo world kind of already know we, we ought to be eating less of, mm-hmm. if at all. Uh, but so we take three weeks to kind of ramp uh, the newbie down into that paleo primal uh, eating style, and that uh, getting rid of the sugars and getting rid of all that stuff leaves you with you know uh, still ample amounts of of um, vegetables and a little bit of fruit, um, maybe some tubers once in a while, uh, and but the the body starts to get used to lower and lower amounts of carbohydrate, but it doesn't get into that sort of bonky low carb flu because we haven't really reduced them so significantly just enough to kind of keep you going and just enough to start the body to think well i'm going to have to start accessing some of my stored body fat because by reducing that amount of of extraneous and 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 
uh, otherwise unnecessary carbs, you also reduce the amount of insulin you you produce. And insulin is sort of what keeps fat locked in the fat stores. So the more insulin you secrete during the daytime, the more the more you lock the fat into the fat cells, and it can't get out because insulin is sort of a storage hormone. Mm -hmm. And by reducing the amount of carbs you take in, and by in in many cases reducing the glycemic load, uh, you are reducing the amount of insulin that you are secreting, and therefore the fat cells kind of go, "Whoa, okay, we can start to we can start to." Uh, unload some of this stored energy that we have in our fat cells and we can start to burn that instead of glucose. So that's the first kind of first phase of this whole thing. Mm -hmm. But then, and by the way, we also talk about some of the other important lifestyle factors, how to get an appropriate amount of sleep because sleep can be a big stumbling block for a lot of people who are trying to, to um, uh, improve their metabolic flexibility and efficiency. I mean, we talk about play, we talk about stress management, a lot of things like that. But midway through the book, there's this, <laughs> there's a midterm exam. And we literally say, okay, now it's time, we're going to go full keto. But in order for you to earn the right to go keto and do so in a way that's, um, it's easy and comfortable, um, you have to kind of answer these questions. And some of them have to do with your energy level when you wake up, or how long can you go in the morning without having to eat? You know, the little, little, um, experiments that we do. Um, can you do a workout without eating? And then can you not eat after the workout for X amount of time? Little things like that that sort of prove that you've become a fat burner, that mm -hmm. you're becoming fat adapted, that you're no longer relying on carbohydrate and glycogen stored up in your muscles to get you through every single workout or every, you know, every to, to require that you have to eat every couple of hours. Otherwise your blood sugar dips. One of the, you know, the, the, probably the single biggest I think um, strategy is to say, okay, can I go, you know, 16 or 18 hours, can I go from um, seven o'clock at night having had dinner to lunch the next day without eating mm -hmm. and, and still feeling comfortable and energetic and, do, and productive and doing my work. And, and that's when you know you becoming, you're becoming good at burning fat or better at burning fat. So when you are, when you get to that point, and it doesn't take that long. I, that's, like, that's why we have the three-week, the 21-day, um, you know, sort of deciding um, time limit in there. Um, it doesn't take that long for a lot of people. And, and if you pass the exam, you go, okay, we're going keto. Now we're going to just, all we're going to do is drop your carbs a little bit more from, you know, 100, 120 grams a day down to 40 or 50 grams a day. So it's not this huge leap that you have to take that, that requires uh, a tremendous amount of added discipline. Um, it's just a simple, it's sort of the next level step that we take. That makes a lot of sense. That's so interesting. One of my next questions was, do you have a self-assessment before jumping into keto? You do. <laughs> oh, we should, not only do we, we had to do that because so many people are now um, using the equipment, the monitoring devices to you know, decide if they're in ketosis. Uh -huh. Um, and you know, so there's the urine strips where, you know, you, you pee on them and they turn purple. Oh, yay. I'm producing ketones. Well, you're producing ketones, but you're, you're, you're peeing them out. Mm. And the whole point to making ketones is to use them as fuel. So it's very inefficient. It's very metabolically inefficient to make these amazing. It's almost like a, like a, like some super fuel that we make. Mm. Like it's, it's like. What's your superpower? Well, I make ketones, <laughs> and, and, you know, and uh, and uh, and they're a great fuel that that you don't want to be squandering, and your body certainly doesn't want them to be squandering. So, if you're 
for example, someone who's uh, showing a lot of ketones all the time, it may be that your liver is making the ketones and you've been depriving yourself of glucose, but you haven't built the metabolic machinery to burn the ketones yet. And that's really the most critical part of this whole thing is, is increasing the number of mitochondria throughout the body. Mm-hmm. So mitochondria are the power plants of every cell. And some cells have 40 or 50 of them. Some cells have several thousand of them. And that's where all the energy is created. That's where the ATP, which is the currency that the body uses for, for moving around, is created. It's created in these mitochondria. Well, if you have been dependent on sugar your whole life and carbohydrates have become the basis of your eating strategy, um, your body never really gets a chance to build more mitochondria because so much of the, of the sugar is burned outside the mitochondria in the, what they call the cytosol of the cell. So we don't even need mitochondria to burn sugar uh, in many cases. So the body says, well, if, we don't, if we're just going to be getting a fresh supply of sugar from the form of carbohydrates every couple of hours all day long, we don't need to maintain these, these mitochondria. So let's just let them atrophy or let them disappear. So there's no reason for the body to make new mitochondria. Well, once you start withholding carbohydrate and once you start dropping the amount of glucose that you're providing to your brain and your muscles to get throughout the day, the body gets this, that that literally the genes get this signal like, oh my gosh, if there's not going to be any more glycogen or glucose, no more carbohydrate feedings, we got to do something to start to really tap into our fat stores and take fat out and start burning fat at a much higher rate than we've been doing it to get through the day and to have the energy to get through the day. And if there's not going to be much glucose, we also have to start making some brain fuel. And that's the ketones. Let's make some, let's make extra ketones. And the liver is doing this. Mm -hmm. And it's all based on just these basic epigenetic biochemical signals that are a result of not eating carbohydrate. It's pretty it's pretty fascinating how it works. So the genes are upregulated. More enzyme systems are built to take fat out of storage. Uh, more, the mitochondria increase in, in actual number because um, they are prompted, the, the cells are prompted to make more mitochondria. The mitochondria themselves have their own set of DNA. It's a very unique experience. And no other uh, organelle or part of a cell has its own DNA, but the mitochondria does. And that DNA gets the signal that it needs to become even better at burning fat. So not only do you have more mitochondria, they're better at burning fat. And the more you burn fat, the less reliant you are on carbohydrate, on glucose as a fuel. Mm -hmm. And so we get to this great state where we talk about metabolic flexibility and metabolic efficiency, where we can burn fat at a very high rate and never have to really tap into our stored glycogen in our muscles, uh, where we can make ketones and as you get good at this, and this is back to the, the um, reason that we don't do a lot of testing and we'd rather, we'd rather come down to this, this elegant little sentence, how do you feel? Mm-hmm. Um, because when people are really good at keto, some of the people have been keto for 10 years and eat 20, 30 grams of carbs a day and that's it. And then they test their blood and they might be at you know, 0.3 or 0.4 millimolar or they might never come even close to purple on a urine strip. Well, they become so good at, at making ketones that the body only makes what it needs. Mm-hmm. And they're so good at burning fat that the muscles no longer need ketones. The muscles just say, look, we can do 80, 85, 90, 95% of our work burning fat, 
We still have some stored glycogen, so we can use that. We don't really need ketones, Mr. Liver, so you don't need to make ketones for us at all. You just make all the ketones that you need for the brain. Mm -hmm. And so the liver just starts producing what it needs for the brain. And the brain doesn't really, you know, have any moments of where it's like, um, um, you know, putting out 1,200 watts for eight minutes um, climbing a hill. It's not like the brain ever goes glycolytic. The brain kind of chugs along at a steady pace. So if the liver knows that the brain chugs along at a steady pace, it doesn't need to make a ton of ketones. It just sort of makes just what the brain needs on a steady state throughout the day. So you, you settle into this amazingly efficient um, area where you, you're, most of your energy for movement comes from burning fat all day long, and most of your energy for thought comes from the ketones, but not the overproduction of ketones to where you're, you know, you're showing it on a monitor uh, or a measuring device as having an excess amount of ketones. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. Gosh, that's so fascinating. So would you say then a prerequisite to really going into keto and doing it well, hitting that keto zone, would be to already have been somewhat fat adapted? Yeah, so this is exactly. So that's why it was so easy for me to get to go keto. It was like I all I did was consciously, you know, stop eating a couple of extra little end of the day carbs cuz normally I've been very low carb um and I've also exhibited some of these um strategies I talk about in the book. Like I don't eat until one o'clock in the afternoon. So I I wake up in the morning, I don't have anything to eat. I have a cup of coffee. Um I go to work. Um, I might break mid in the mo- middle of the morning and go do a workout. Sometimes it's a very hard workout. Sometimes it's an easy workout. But either in either case, I don't eat before the workout. Um, I don't eat after the workout. Um, sometimes intentionally, um, but mostly because I'm not hungry. If you've become that good at burning fat, you actually, again, your hunger sort of dissipates. And that has some, that, that in and of itself, that not eating right after a workout has some anabolic effects when you're keto. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. So my first meal of the day, which might be at 1230 or one o'clock, is a big ass salad. Mm-hmm. And that you go, well, wait a minute, isn't salad mostly carbs? Well, if you took a big bowl of lettuce and put in some broccoli florets, some cucumber, some uh, red bell pepper, a couple of tomatoes, um, some pine nuts, uh, maybe a little cheese and maybe some, some um, chicken on it, and then you douse it with a healthy salad dressing that's got some healthy fats, wink, wink, primal <laughs> salad dressings, which is why I made them, by the way, because I couldn't mm. find any. Um, then I've, you've just made the most perfectly keto meal you could get. It's got 25 to 30 grams of protein. It's got 25 to 30 grams of fat. It's got maybe 15 to 20 grams of carbs, and it's satisfying, and it provides fiber in the form of the vegetables. It's and, and the irony here, Cassie, is that if you took the meat off, it would be a vegan meal. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it would it would be so a big ass salad plus or minus the meat is the perfect food for anybody, whether you're keto or not. But especially if you're keto, it's like okay, I just I fulfilled all the requirements. It was a low carb meal. Now that because I'm good at burning fat, I, my body doesn't crave carbs ever. So as long as I don't feed it a lot of carbs, I stay in that fat burning zone. So then I go through the afternoon and I might have, you know, if I get uh, the least bit hungry, which I typically don't, but it's mostly because I'm home. It's like 
proximity to food, right? If I weren't, if I'm not home, I don't get hungry. If I'm home, it's like, oh, I think I'll have a handful of macadamia nuts or something. Yeah. And I typically work until 7 p.m. Uh, at night, and I break then and have dinner, and it's some form of, of protein, some clean protein with some healthy fat. Um, maybe it's some steamed vegetables with butter on them or some grilled, uh, grilled vegetables, but it's vegetables. It's, so it's going to be you know chicken and vegetables or meat and vegetables or salmon and vegetables or something like that. Um, and, and that's it. And, and that provides tremendous amount of satiety for me. I get very, I, I enjoy every bite of food I eat because every bite tastes great. I don't force anything down my face that doesn't, that, you know, that isn't going to taste awesome. I don't care how healthy it is. Uh, and, and going back to one of my original observations here, I find that I get through the day on fewer calories than, than ever before, but that's a good thing because I realize that I'm, um, I'm, you know, I'm maintaining or building muscle mass. I have all the energy I need, sometimes too much. Uh, I have, I, I don't get sick. And most importantly, I don't get hungry. Or if I do, I certainly take care of myself, but I find that I don't get hungry. Mm-hmm. And it's just a, it's a, it's an amazing um, space to find myself in. It's what, you know, it's, I, and I call it the keto zone because some days I might have a little bit of uh, something sweet for, you know, after my, my evening meal, I might have a bowl of berries or I might have some um, paleo, you know, dessert that's uh, doesn't have any grains in it, but still has a fair amount of, of carbs in the form of sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, if that takes me out of keto a little bit, um, the fact that I go to bed, I wake up in the morning, I don't eat, I go to the gym, I do a, I do a fasted workout, I'm right back into keto the next afternoon. So I'm in this, what we call this keto zone, which doesn't require that I'm in ketosis all the time. It actually, as a result of my having spent time in ketosis and having built the metabolic machinery, it allows me the flexibility to go in and out with you know reasonable tolerances, to go in and out and never feel any sort of a transition feeling, mm-hmm. which I think was one of the things a lot of people had initially had issues with. Like, okay, if I haven't, some of the early studies would, would look at athletes who did two weeks of keto, you know, and then they went out. And so they, they'd get a little bit, you know, lightheaded when they went back on the carbs and then back into keto. Well, that's because they hadn't spent the time building the metabolic machinery. That's why we say six weeks is the best possible foray into keto. And that's, the second part of the book is how, to, how you do the six weeks of keto to build all that metabolic machinery to get to the point where the muscles are used to just burning fat. And, and, and as I say, they get to that point about three weeks into keto where they go, you know what? We don't need ketones. You save it for the brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you become more efficient and you don't, you're, now you're not, you know, blowing four, 4.0 millimolar or 5.0 millimolar, you know, on your blood uh, ketone strip because your body knows now doesn't need to produce that much. It's not frantically trying to correct for a lack of glucose. Now it's just like, ah, we got this. This is easy. Gosh, this is so interesting. Very interesting. So would you say that keto could serve anybody out there? Is there anybody listening right now you would want to just add an air of, um, you know, exercise these kinds of self-assessments beforehand? It sounds like that 21-day intro could serve everybody. Sure. So, you know, I mean, keto is a, um, we are all wired to benefit from, from reducing or restricting carbohydrates. That's Mm -hmm. just human. uh, That's the human design. Now, the caveat 
would be that some of us have spent so many decades doing metabolic damage to ourselves mm -hmm. that it might be a little bit more uncomfortable uh, getting to this keto place with ease and grace. Um, you know, if you're a, um, a woman who's trying to um, conceive, if you're, uh, if, you've, if you're type 1 diabetic, I mean, there's certain instances where if you have a medical condition, I would suggest finding a doctor who is, yeah. who, you know, who's interested in tracking your numbers. Uh, and that's, it's as simple as that. It's, so I, my only caveat is I'm not a physician, I'm a researcher. And I can tell you the benefits from the research I've done, but I'm not going to be, uh, you know, I'm going to be um, conservative and say, look, if you have a medical condition that you're concerned about, mm -hmm. then find a physician who understands what keto really is, who's interested in helping you alter your ability to burn fat and become a more efficient human being uh, and, and work with that physician. And what we do see over time, for sure, is we see, like I think keto is the way, there'll be 20 million type 2 diabetics right now that if they did this keto thing would no longer be diabetic. I will even, I mean, that, that's, I'll say that mm -hmm. with, you know, and, and you know, um, I have no problem with people you know, coming after me for that. Cause I think that's, it's, it's outrageous that we have 30 to 35 million people who have type, type two diabetes in a country where no one needs to get type two diabetes. Type two diabetes is an acquired condition as a result of making inappropriate food choices and inappropriate exercise choices, full stop. Mm -hmm. Now you can say, well, uh, I've got a genetic predisposition to type 2 diabetes. Yeah, everybody does. When you have type 2 diabetes, that's basically your human genes trying to protect you from the way you're eating. They're actually doing what, they're, what they are supposed to do given the signals that you've chosen to give those genes. So um, back to you know, type 2 diabetes and keto, I think that's probably the greatest application of a ketogenic diet is in that field of type 2 diabetes. But that also, you know, if we look at, Obesity and the fact that people tend to store more energy than they burn off. Keto is perfect for that. We see hundreds of thousands of cases already of people who have embarked on a low-carb or keto uh, eating strategy and have burned off 50, 100, 150 pounds of excess body fat that they up to now, despite every method and strategy and book they've ever read, couldn't couldn't get to it because they, they were trying to do it from the wrong direction. They were trying to restrict calories and keep their carbs. Mm. And this is about basically getting rid of carbs and not even restricting calories that much. Yep. That makes a lot of sense. Um, okay. I have one last question for you, Mark, before I let you go. This has been so good. Um, do you have any notes as far as you're talking about coming back out of a keto state. Maybe if people want to revisit that keto zone once or twice a year, however many times, um, just to kind of get that metabolic reset that you spoke to, I guess that recheck on being metabolically nimble. Is there, is there any kind of reintroduction into maybe a, just a more general low carb or maybe not even, maybe folks aren't even counting carbs sort of state of living that you think would be a more graceful reintroduction outside of that keto zone? Well, you know, it's, it, it's interesting. I, I don't have the notes I would have would be the anecdotal stuff that I hear from everybody, myself included, um, which go like this. Um, all right. I ate really well and clean uh, for a couple of months and I was low carb or keto 
in other words, when I wasn't keto, I was close to low carb. Um, and then I went off the rails. And then I had, uh, you know, a couple of days in a row where I had three or 400 grams of carbs. Uh, and I felt like crap. Well, okay, that's the best indicator that, I mean, it's sort of a good news, bad news kind of thing, right? The good news is you cleaned up your diet, you learn how to burn fat, you become more metabolically efficient. The bad news is if you are tempted by that large full-size piece of cheesecake or that loaf of cinnamon raisin bread and you down it, um, you're going to notice physically the consequences, not just the fact that you might add a little bit of stored body fat, but you will feel, feel to, uh, terrible. And go back to my, you know, that comment I made about our, our self-evaluation. It isn't about the numbers. It's about how do you feel? And so a number of people who, you know, go keto and, or go low carb and clean up their diet, you know, and then they go to Europe and they have a, well, Europe's not so bad. I mean, just, they go to any part of the U S and they order pizza and beer. And, and I have these people report back to me all the time. I can't believe I did that. Oh my God, I felt so terrible. I'm, I'm, I get it now. I get what I was doing to my body mm. and there's no way I'm going to go back to that. So when you go out of keto, as long as you adhere to this sort of real food, clean eating strategy, as long as you um, eat plenty of vegetables and some fruit and some tubers, you know, you're not going to get above 200 grams of carbs a day. Mm -hmm. and, and, and you're going to enjoy every bite of food. And so it isn't even really, it, it's so easy then to get back into keto from, from there because you haven't strayed out that far. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. I'm glad you said it. I was thinking that. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, this has been so wonderful, Mark. Thank you so much for sharing all this awesome knowledge and research and all this work that you've put into this project. Um, definitely interested and eager to get a copy of the book. If you don't mind telling folks where they can find it, and then of course where they can find uh, some of your other more recent projects. Yeah, so ketoreset.com is the website, and you can order the book there. Uh, Pre-order if it's not out yet, or order it once it's been out. And of course, uh, we have links directly to your favorite purveyor of books, whether that's Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Books A Million, et cetera, et cetera. Um, obviously, um, not obviously, but you go to Mark's Daily Apple, which is my blog, and uh, everything I've ever written in books is there somewhere on my blog. It's just, it's just buried in 4,000 articles. So, so, so you probably ought to be getting at least one of the books, uh, either The Primal Blueprint or uh, The Keto Reset Diet. And, um, and then primalkitchen.com, if you're interested in finding out about some of our healthy sauces, dressings, and toppings, these are the healthy fats that make all the food that we just talked about taste that much better and make it that much healthier because of putting you know the, the healthy fats and functional foods uh, on on top of them, and uh, and then anybody who's interested in uh, Primal Kitchen restaurants, you can go to primalkitchenrestaurants.com. Uh, we're looking for either new franchisees or if you want to find one that's near your your location. Man, very cool. I'm a, my husband's a franchiser, so I will, I'll throw that in his arena. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, man, Mark, thank you so much. This has been wonderful. Really, really proud of all the work and eager to keep cheering you on and help from afar. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you, and you keep up the great work too, Cassie. Oh, thank you. It's definitely a pleasure. Everybody else, thanks for dialing in. As always, you can find a full transcript, links to everything that Mark and I talked about today over at fedandfit.com. And as always, we'll be back again next week.